come and worship tonight. There's good news. Christ has come. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest.
you're never ending You are the one over it all The name we're running to You are the cup, you are the bread Lord we remember You are the first, you are the last You are the center you are the one over it all. Come on, your name we're running to.
You're our strong tower. You're our strong tower. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. There's no one high. There's no one high. Call out to your God. Sing Jesus. Oh Jesus. You're our strong tower. You're our strong tower. Jesus. Jesus. There's no one higher. There's no one higher. Yes, God. There was a moment when the lights went out. When death acclaimed its victory The king of love had given up his life Thank you, Lord The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atoned Thank you, Lord. One final breath and it was finished. But not the end we could have known. For the earth began to shake. And the veil was torn. What sacrifice was made?
All right, so last week we did a big thing. Some of you have been around here. Thank you, Vincent. Give it up for Vincent. Man of God. So I'm just going to tell you a brief story, assuming there are some of you here that are new, okay? So go with me. Tonight's historic night. When I got here 18 years ago, New Life Church was $26 million in debt. And then we went through a crisis. And then we got a new senior pastor with Brady Boyd coming from Texas. And then we had tragedy on our campus and our church hit the very, very bottom of the valley of the shadow of death. We didn't know it could go any deeper. And we were there and we were wondering how we would ever get out. And we just started getting faithful and, and you know, blocking and tackling just fundamentals financially and, and chipping away at that debt and chipping away at that debt and chipping away at that debt. And then two years ago at an elders retreat, John and I and the other six elders, Scott was there, we were, we were praying and our non-staff elders said, we really believe that this is the year to be debt free. And we were $9.6 million in debt. And, and Pastor Brady said, I'm listening. <clears throat> he goes, that's great for you to say that, but I got to get up there and ask. So I need to know you've heard the Lord. And so last year we paid $7 million of debt down. Praise the Lord. And we started this year at $2.1 million in debt. And we said, hey, we're, we're not going to ask but one more time. And we're going to finish it in December, right? Right? We're going to finish it in December. So last week we came on Friday and on Sunday at North. And we had our final legacy offering. And we were saying, Lord, would you please get this done? And I'm here to tell you that you all with Sunday morning did it. New Life Church at New Life North, we are debt free. <laughs> Woo! Come on, baby. Tonight, I have a copy of the promissory note that we signed in March of 2004 for $26 million at 5.875 interest. Some of you are like, I'd take that deal today. I dare to go to darn right tell you I'll take that deal today. 5.875 uh, uh, interest rate, March 30th, 2004, signed by Brian Newberg, our CFO. And friends, it's time to torch it tonight. At the risk of being a blooper on YouTube, okay? An, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, I vow if I win $100,000 for blowing this place up, I'll give it to the church. But tonight, can we celebrate God's faithfulness of paying off the debt at New Life Church? Come on, burn, baby, burn. The devil is a liar. Come on. And the bucket is going to burn. something easy that's jacked up that was supposed to be cool now it's just a problem now it's just embarrassing I'm doing this yeah go up yeah promise to God we're gonna get this thing 
blowing up. Church, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just pray we never go back in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, you have been so good to us. It's just incredible the faithfulness you've shown us. We didn't know how you would do it, but you did. And Lord, I speak blessing over these people who partnered with you, who risked living by faith, who took chances, who sacrificed and served and gave and prayed and have been faithful in this place. I pray that you would bless every single one and every single household. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and we trust you that your kingdom is coming and your will is being done tonight on the earth as it is in heaven and all God's people said, amen. Let's continue to worship as we give. Sing, sing, praise the Lord, my soul. With everything that's in me, praise the Lord, my soul. With everything, sing it out and say, praise the Isn't it good to celebrate together? Hey, real quick, we've got Jones Egan on drums and Braden Sheesby on guitar tonight. All right, these guys, Jones is 15, he'll be 16 April 2nd. My nephew Braden is 17. And, and don't look, but the future of the church is right now. It's happening in front of us. One more time, give it up for these bros playing with excellence. If you are new with us, we don't always blow things up. Yeah, but when we do, uh, it takes about two minutes longer than it should. 
Uh, thank you for coming. If you're new, we'd love to meet you at Guest Central after the service. Uh, we have an Adopt-A-Family thing happening right now. There's a, a, a few dozen families in the church and in the city that we know of. We've got their information. And Christmas is going to be tight for them. And so we as a congregation every year, just make it easy. Make, let's just help. And so if you can sign up for that, you have a little extra this Christmas. You can go to the table in the back and get the information for that. And the final thing I need to tell you is next week is our final Friday of the year, okay? Our final Friday night service of the year. So we'll worship on the 15th. We'll take off the 22nd because we'll be back here on the 24th at noon, two and four to celebrate Christmas Eve. So just, if you're not here next week, I told you this week, don't come on the 22nd and don't come on the 29th. You can find Sunday morning service, amen? All right, now take two minutes, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand, be kind, and then I'll come open the Bible. One, two, three, go. Come on and grab your seats. I got the good Holy Spirit adrenaline running tonight after that good news. And so I'll just, I'll pray here and get my heart settled back down. But sometimes you just got to lose your mind in church for a minute. Um, So thanks for letting me do that. Uh, We're week two of our Advent series. And leading up to Christmas, the arrival of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin, Advent gets us ready. Advent prepares us. Advent 
takes us on a journey. And so tonight, what I want to do is I'll read you one verse here in just a second, but I want to tell you the title of the message. I don't always do this, but tonight, the title of the message is No Debt, Now What? No Debt, Now What? Some of you are clutching your wallets. Leave me alone. No Debt. Now what? Now let me read you the text. It's out of the book of James. It's one verse. Many of you, if you've been around church, you will know it. All of us tonight will be touched by it. Hear the word of the Lord. I'll read it and then I'll pray. It says this. Religion that God our Father recognizes. Everyone say recognizes. Religion that God our Father recognizes as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me read it one more time because it's one verse. Religion that God our Father recognizes as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, Settle me in. Settle us in. It's been a week for all of us, some just just bright joy and easy and playful, others heavy-hearted and difficult and painful. Lord, you know the weeks we've all had, and here we are at the end of the week. It's 7 o'clock, Friday night. We've just worshiped you. We've just celebrated, and now we've heard from your scriptures, and we pray, Lord, that you would come and speak to us. We give you permission. We say, have your way. We drop our defense mechanisms. I want you to imagine your heart having walls around it tonight coming in. And I just ask that you would say, Lord, come and tear down the defense mechanisms. Our hearts are open to you tonight. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to be moved by you. We're ready to be touched by you. We're ready to be transformed by you. Lord, have your way. And I pray that at the end of the night, as we're driving home, as we, as we lay our heads on the pillow, I pr- pray that our testimony will be God came and met with us and he made us a new people. So we say, Lord, do that tonight. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. For centuries, Christianity has shaped culture. Christianity has shaped culture. We have been a creative people, an innovative people, an entrepreneurial and enterprising and resourceful and industrious body of believers, every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people group All over the world, scattered to the four winds, the church has been a creative and a productive, energetic witness in the public square. And for thousands of years before Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, the Hebrew ancestors were shaping culture. Believers of every stripe have come forward with fresh ideas. We've dreamed the best dreams, not because we are ourselves the most creative, but because when the spirit of the creator God dwells in you, you start creating and you start shaping and you start pushing the envelope and you start innovating and giving gifts to the world. And and the believers all over the world have done this. We have for thousands of years shaped culture. Sadly, a lot of times Christianity has been seen as behind 
It's sort of a kitschy copycat collective of people, a cast of characters that's just trying to, to catch up with the world. But actually, that, that's, that's not even right. That's a, a, a bad read of what Christianity has done. Christianity has shaped culture for millennia. And you guys remember maybe in the late 90s, this phenom comes on the scene named Eminem. I'm just Marshall Mathers. Anyone? Any Marshall Mathers? Rapper? It, some of you are like, M&M's. I like M&M's. Yes, the green, particularly the green. I, fantastic. M&M, Detroit. Eight mile, right? You better lose yourself in the music, the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. Da-da-da-da-da, right? You only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow because opportunity, what? Okay, very good. Thank you, John. (laughs) Hallelujah. And does anyone remember the stream of very average Christian rappers that followed? (laughs) Kind of the gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, diet (laughs) M&M types. Uh, I'm not going to call any names. Like, hey, there, that's working, let's do that. And well, it's not working for you as much as him. Christianity has been seen to be behind, but for the first few centuries of the church, there was this fresh wave of creativity that crested and broke, washing ashore all around the Mediterranean basin. The believers in Jesus were filled with his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And what do they do? They go from the upper room and they race out into the streets and they start pioneering things. They start building things. They start finding little babies in the streets who have been abandoned because they were sick with the plague. These, kids, these, these people in the ancient Near Eastern society assumed that if you got sick, something about you was cursed. They were superstitious, and so they abandoned babies in the streets by the thousands. And you know what believers did? They picked them up, and they brought them into their homes. And there were so many that they started orphanages. Believers started creating and innovating. They, they opened orphanages and they opened hospitals and they opened schools and universities and these agricultural societies created these agencies and food societies that stockpiled food for the poor. They were filled with the spirit and then they went out to change the world. Christianity has always been shaping culture. And do you know what? our believing ancestors did before Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin. The Hebrews were doing the same thing. They created this founding document, a constitution, the Torah and the prophets. God spoke to them and gave them his righteous laws. And I wanna just read you four or five samplings out of the Torah and the prophets. Can you go on this Hebrew Testament journey with me real quick to see the command of the Lord on his people. He said, I don't want you to be passive. I want you to be aggressive. I don't want you to lock yourself away. I want you to hit the streets. And so Yahweh says to his people, picking up in Deuteronomy 10, 18, he, God, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So these people hear from God. God loves justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he gives kindness to the sojourner, the immigrant. God is the God who takes care of all of the people who cannot take care of themselves. Can you say amen tonight? The believers hit the streets, 
And they started building these institutions. They started opening their homes. They started opening hospitals. Why? Because they discovered that God cares about what we do with our energy. Zechariah 7, 9 through 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments and show kindness and mercy to one another. And do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against your neighbor in your heart. God cares about the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the powerless, the poor. So here we are again. God keeps coming to his people saying, render true judgments and take care of people who cannot take care of themselves. Psalm 82 in the singing life of the people of God. They had this written in their Psalter. They would come to church and, and God gave David and, and the sons of uh, Korah and, and different ones these great songs to teach the people to sing. And, and in their worshiping life, they sang, give justice to the weak and the fatherless and maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. God cares about what we do with our strength. And Christians and, and the Jewish ancestors did not abandon the world. They raced into it because God cares about the world. Deuteronomy 27, we go back to the book of Deuteronomy and it says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the immigrant, the fatherless, and the widow. And then Moses and God make these people put a stamp on it. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. He wasn't even going to let them be quiet in church because he knew that they would read that. And they go, you're going to mean we got to do something about this? And God says, yes, put your amen on that. Do you see these four texts that, that show us that believers are not supposed to be those that retreat, but we are the, the ones that race into the crisis. We're those that race into the pain. We're those that str stream out into the streets to, to, to look for all the afflicted and the oppressed and the widows and the orphans and the immigrants and the poor and those who don't have a voice, we speak up for them. Think about who's in this group and what they've gone through. You've got orphans. And if you're an orphan in that society, at the very least, you've lost your strength. You've lost your advocacy. You've lost your vocational instructor. Think about that. You've got to go up and grow up and go out into the world and do something and give something to the world. Well, the most important people in your life, mother and father, are gone, and they would be the ones responsible to teach you, to train you, to give you a skill, a trade, a craft, so that when you stood up on your own two feet, you could go out into the world and be fruitful. And now you haven't just lost your most important person that's loving you and tucking you into bed at night and being that safe canopy of protection. Now you've lost the one who could teach you how to go make a living and so God says what should you do with the orphan you should care about the orphan and leverage your strength to make sure that they are not alone think about the widows and the widowers you've you've lost your person you've lost your partner you've lost your lover and in many cases you've lost your provider there was no one more at risk in the ancient world than a widow 
because a woman's testimony wasn't even good in court. If she had witnessed a murder, if she was the only eyewitness to a murder, a woman could not go to the courthouse and sit on the stand and say, yes, I saw it and he did it. They would throw a woman's testimony out. So you've lost your strength, you've lost your provider to go with losing your most important person. So God says, what do you do with the widow? You take care of her. What do you do with the widower? You make sure that he's not alone. This is the God who cares about what we do with our strength. The immigrant, you've lost your place, you've lost your home, you've lost your culture, you've lost hearing your own mother tongue, and with it you've lost your community, and you're wandering through streets unknown to you, and you don't have a house to go to, and you don't have a pantry that's stocked, and God says keep your eyes open and leave the edges of your field unharvested. Why? Because at any given moment in your life, Immigrants are going to be coming through your land and they need your food and they need your love and they need your homes and they need your recognition. Don't leave widows, don't leave orphans, and don't leave immigrants to themselves. God cares about what we do with our strength. The prisoners, this is another one that's heavy on God's heart. And this week, the whole New Life Friday night team is going to be going down to the Trinidad Correctional Facility on Wednesday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. to worship and to give them a beautiful Christmas service and to take some gifts and to preach the word and to just celebrate with our brothers and look them in the eyes and say, you're not alone. God cares about what we do with our strength. And he wants us to take care of these people who cannot take care of themselves. So the question that I wanna ask tonight is what are we going to do now? No debt, now what? I was meeting with Pastor Brady this week with a a few other folks and Pastor Brady started, it, it was a massive week. By Tuesday we had discovered that we were out of debt and there were tears and there was laughter and we bought some cake and we just sat around and reminisced, we told stories because we, we, we earned that storytelling time. And we're sitting in Pastor Brady's office and, and Brady was just telling us several key moments along the way and we were talking about the fear of the early days and some of you don't get to see Pastors Brady and Pam very often so tonight I wanna just take a moment and introduce you to a little bit of their hearts. Can I tell you about Pastors Brady and Pam that I know, they're some of my favorite people. Brady was part of the first first grade class in Louisiana that was integrated. Think about this. He's 57 years old. When he was in first grade, he was the first batch of first graders in Louisiana where there was no separate water fountains. They all went to the same water fountain. They all sat in the same classrooms. They all started just playing on the same playgrounds. And little kids know how to be little kids. It doesn't matter to them. They're just kids. Let's play, right? It's the adults that were jacked up. And Brady's out there in, in, in deep south Louisiana and he's in this historical moment in our nation's history where our nation was learning to come together as one and as a Christ follower, Brady grew up working to overcome and really bring unity in the segregated South. As a young man, he was marked by that. And he grew up hearing the word of God and he grew up wanting to bring unity. And so Pastor Brady did this his whole growing up years, bringing people together. And then he went to college at Louisiana Tech. And when he graduated Louisiana Tech, he, he got his degree and he got hired at a, a church there, a large church in Louisiana. 
And he was also on the school staff, so they had a school. So, you know, when you're young and, and you got all that energy, if you work at the church, you're also gonna coach basketball and coach track and do other things at the school. He was teaching an English class. And Pastor Brady was working really hard at this church that also had a school. And, and his pastor came to him and said, hey, I, I want us to open up a ministry that goes into the most impoverished neighborhood in our city. And they all knew exactly where it was. And it was Abbey Street in Shreveport, Louisiana. And Abbey Street was, a, 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 there, there was a high crime rate. I think at one point in their history, they were the highest per capita murder rate in the nation. It was violent, it was difficult. And Pastor Brady and Pam, every Saturday morning, they, they partnered with Meals on Wheels and the church and they brought these people together and they went to Abbey Street. And you can imagine the first Saturday morning looking, going, what are you what are you doing here? And they went and they brought food and they started going porch to porch, talking to people, getting to know the neighborhood. And I think there were 20 houses on Abbey Street and Pastor Brady and Pam went every Saturday morning to every house and they stood on the porch and they talked and they'd bring food and they, they would, as they, they went four years every Saturday. So think 200 Saturdays on the porches. And they started noticing some of the kids didn't have basketball shoes. And so they leveraged their strength and started bringing tennis shoes. And some kids had never been to college and needed someone to write a recommendation for them. And so Brady was writing recommendation letters to send kids to college. And he started doing funerals for people and weddings for people. And they started to trust him over the first year and Pam. And, and so Brady and Pam threw their strength into that neighborhood, Abbey Street in Shreveport, Louisiana, and gave breakfasts and food and filled the pantries. And Brady rallied the strength of the large church that he was working at. And particularly, one couple stood out to them that they fell in love with over those four years. It was Mr. and Mrs. White, an African-American couple. He was a deacon at his black Baptist church, and they were staples in the community. They must have been married somewhere around 50 years by this time. And every Saturday morning, Brady and Pam are standing on the porch as Mr. and Mrs. White are eating breakfast on Abbey Street. And at the end of that four years, Mr. White was coming to the end of his strength and was getting ready to enter his rest. And one Saturday morning, Pastor Brady showed up on the porch like they did for those four years. And Mr. White said, young man, I wanna ask you to help officiate my funeral. And Pastor Brady said, Mr. White, I would be honored. And several weeks later, he entered his rest and Pastor Brady and Pam, they went to the funeral at this black Baptist church and, and they were the only two white people in the room that day. And there were seven preachers, six preachers, and Pastor Brady came up and preached and he said, Daniel, you would not believe the honor that it was to stand and help officiate Mr. White's funeral. And you know why it happened? It happened because over four years, Mr. and Mrs. White discovered that Brady and Pam cared about their neighborhood and loved them and served them and became a part of their family. And it was, Brady says, it's one of the greatest honors of my 30 plus year ministry career to help officiate Mr. White's funeral. What I want you to know, friends, is that God cares about what we do with our energy. 
And Brady and Pam could have sat at home and they, they were a young married couple. They, it, it was hard work, but they wanted to do it. Why? Because this is what the people of God have always done. You speak up for those who don't have a voice. You feed those who don't have food. You give clothing to those who are naked. You visit the sick in the hospital. You go into the prisons and you leverage your strength and you show them your love. Friends, we are the people of God who care for widows and orphans and immigrants and the poor and the hungry and the needy and the sick and the oppressed. We are the people who leverage our strength for the strength of the other. Can you say amen tonight? Pastor Brady said to us this week, you guys didn't know who I was before I got here. So as he's telling us the stories of Shreveport, Louisiana, and as he's telling us the stories of all these years of serving the poor and caring for the oppressed, Brady said, when I got to New Life, we were in a crisis, and so we had to go right into crisis mode just to keep the church alive. Friends, we are not having to just keep the church alive anymore. No debt. Now what? Right? It's time to level up our strength and our energy to serve and to bless and to lift people up. And New Life Church is just getting started. We're in our 39th year and we are just getting the, the wind of the spirit at our back. And we have been doing good work for all of these years. We have not waited to serve the poor, but can you imagine the work we will be able to do now that we are unencumbered by debt, no debt, now what? We're gonna take care of the widows and the orphans and the oppressed and the impoverished and, and the people who need our strength. Some of you are saying, how does this, what, is Advent talk? How does this connect to Advent? Let me tell you how this connects to Advent. Last week, I, I told you about the Magi. Probably 50 to 100 uh, intellectuals, astrologers, astronomers, politicians, professors, the ancient intelligentsia of the, of the ancient Near Eastern world, they followed the star and they found their way to Jesus in Bethlehem. These magi brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. And Steve Young and I were talking about this last week as we were walking out. It's, it's likely that when they, they followed the star and they found the little baby, it's likely that Jesus was anywhere from one to two years old by the time they got there. You know this? We think it was you know, just newborn and all these strangers walk into the, the stable. No, that's not what happened. They followed the star. They went to Jerusalem. He wasn't there. They talked to Herod. They had to load up the caravan. Jesus was probably one or two years old when they found little baby Jesus. And they came to him bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. It says this in Matthew 2. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or younger. That's our clue that Jesus was probably somewhere between one and two because Herod marked the time when the Magi had come through and he said, okay, I'm going back in time. Any boys two years old and under, kill them because I want to eliminate that new king that was just born in Bethlehem. So the Magi travel the Magi come and bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why does that matter? Because Mary and Joseph all of a sudden are being hunted for their very lives. Their baby is on the run. They're a family at risk. And so what did they do? They fled to Egypt. You remember this? Have you read the story? Mary and Joseph, little baby, they go to Egypt. Why? Because Herod's trying to kill their son. And so they cross borders. 
They're on the run. They're immigrants. Why does God care about orphans and immigrants and the oppressed? Because maybe he was one. Jesus is not abstractly, theoretically encouraging us to take care of the poor. He's saying, no, those magi who came with gold and frankincense and myrrh, they paid for my parents to be able to smuggle me to Egypt so that Herod could die. And once Herod died, finally it was safe for them to come back to the Holy Land. Little baby Jesus probably had three to four years of provision in that gold and frankincense and myrrh. His parents had their bills paid by complete strangers who came to worship the Christ child. Do you see this? The beautiful gold and frankincense and myrrh wasn't some precious little, oh, isn't that nice? It was their provision that helped them go two years to Egypt and then come back to Jerusalem. They needed resources that they didn't have. And thank God for people who speak up for those who have no voice. Jesus was able to live. His parents were able to make it and to string their lives along till they could get back to their motherland because some people leveraged their strength and they gave their gold and they gave their frankincense and they gave their myrrh and they extended the, the, the life of the son of God so that he could rise up and be crucified and raised and save us. Someone else's generosity got us where we are. God is the God who cares for the orphans and the widows and the immigrants and the poor and those who are afflicted. Our tithes and offerings have strengthened the poor in our region and around the world and Now we're debt free and our tithes and offerings will now increasingly help the poor and the afflicted. Our gold and frankincense and myrrh, which shows shows our worship of Jesus is going to meet the needs of people. Here's what I love about it. It's worship of Jesus that goes to meet the needs of the people. We come in every week and why do we, you think we call for the offering just to keep the lights on? No, we need to keep the lights on, but it goes so that we can take care of single moms in Colorado Springs who have been sleeping in their cars at night. Those those dollars are sent to Pakistan, to Pastor William, who's living in the middle of 20 million people in Lahore, where he's flying, uh, running around with his wife and four daughters for their very lives, while they take the resources that we send, and they're feeding people who have no strength. Friends, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh and our tithes and offerings are going out into the world to be a blessing to other people. I started with James 1.27 tonight. And it's worth knowing a bit of the context. Why why could James write this? Religion that God our Father recognizes as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows. How could James say that? Well, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And James heard the stories. You know they sat down at the table and talked about the flight to Egypt. You know they talked about those years when they were on the run. You know they talked about where they slept under the wilderness sky all by themselves. You know they talked about and told stories, those stories that became legend and lore in James's own household as the half-brother of Jesus. And so James, when he's an old man at the end of his life, he's able to say, let me tell you, let me tell you the bleeding heart of the heart of God. It's to care for the people who cannot care for themselves. James says it saved our family. (laughs) My dream, I'll just tell you one of my dreams. I've, I've, I've carried this dream for years and Pastor Brady has carried it, but in my own heart, I've, I've longed to see us as a church make a significant dent in building affordable housing in Colorado Springs. 
like a significant dent. We opened up Mary's home five, six years ago, and we've got those 17 apartment units. We bought a a dilapidated apartment complex and gutted it, took it to the studs, renovated it. It's gorgeous. And every room is full with single moms and their kids who were sleeping in cars. And then we bought a fourplex right next door when it came available. And then we built another building on that property. Our hope is to own that entire block one day as people continue to sell off properties. But 23 units is not going to do the final job in Colorado Springs. And we as the church, we have some of the best builders in our church. We have some of the best developers in Colorado Springs right here in our church. And and God is starting to break our hearts for the poor to to really make a significant dent. My, My dream and our dream and something that the Lord is going to ask us about when we see him one day is what did the rich church on the north side of Colorado Springs do for the poor southeastern side of our city? And, and, and by God's grace, we'll be able to look him in the eyes as the years go by and say, we, we gave what we could, we did what we could, we leveraged our strength. And what I love about our church, and I'll just say this tonight, what I love about Pastor Brady is that he didn't wait. I was, he, he, we were 26 million in debt in an, in an international crisis. I mean, we, we, were, we were scandalized as a church. And then we had violence on our campus. If there was ever a time where you could make an argument for circling the wagons and taking care of number one, and let's make sure we're okay, we were the church that could have made that argument. And I was with Pastor Brady at lunch when a really wealthy man in the city said to him, you're gonna do what? You're gonna open up a, a women's medical clinic? You can't do that. You're $26 million in debt. And like, it just rolled off of Brady's tongue. He said, King Solomon said, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for it. So Brady said, if it's gonna cost us, it's gonna cost us. But the scriptures tell us that God is gonna take care of those who take care of the poor. So we'll take the risk, but I believe that God will answer our cry. New Life Church will not be known as the strong church on the northern side of town that hunkered down. We haven't been and we won't be. New Life Church will not be insular. New Life Church will not be aloof to the cries of the needy. New Life Church will not be fat and happy. New Life Church will not become a country club for sanitized saints. We haven't been and we won't be. New Life Church will leverage our strength to serve the poorest of the poor. That's what we've done and that's what we will continue to do. New Life Church will not become a partisan political tribe using our sermons to throw red meat to the dogs. We haven't been and we will not be that church. We are going to race to the front lines with God as our help, with God giving us courage, with God giving us resources. But as he does, we're gonna continue to race to the places that people are running away from in our city. And we're gonna race to the places in South America and Central America and Africa and Asia, the underground church in China. We're going to partner with the points of pain in our world. Why? Because this is who God has always been. Psalm 68, you read it, verses five and six. The question the psalmist was wrestling with is, who is God? Who is he? Who are we dealing with out there? What is God like? What's his makeup? What's his essence? If you cut God, what does he bleed? And the psalmist one day, Psalm 68, five and six, says, this is God, a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in his holy place. And he's the God who sets the lonely into families. And if that's who God is, that's not what God does. 
That's who God is. And there's a big difference. If that's who God is, then that's who we've been called to be friends. We are going to serve and we're going to cry and we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're gonna keep sending money to Pakistan and we're gonna keep sending money to orphanages in Guatemala and we're gonna keep sending money to Springs Rescue Mission and we're gonna keep doing our work at Nueva Vida, our congregation in the southeast side of the city, feeding somewhere between 15 to 1800 people out of their back door every two weeks. People who have no food in their pantries come to Nueva Vida and they go home with sacks and sacks of groceries that get them through the next week or so. This is who we are and this is who we're going to be. We're gonna keep helping empty the foster care system in the state of Colorado. We're gonna keep helping giving women state-of-the-art medical care at our women's clinic. We're gonna keep looking for more apartment complexes. Why? Not so that we can pat ourselves on the back and certainly not because it's easy work. It's not easy work. If you're gonna do this work, you're gonna bleed. If you're going to do this work, you're going to cry. If you're going to do this work, you're going to sacrifice. But why are we doing it? Because this is God in his holy dwelling. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows. He loves the prisoners. He cares for the sick. He engages the elderly and will not let them die alone. This is the God who weeps for those who are weeping. So here's what I need you to know. Paying off the debt is not the end of the race. Our church just got to the starting line. We just got to the starting line. I'm gonna read it one more time as the band is preparing to come to lead us in worship. James 1.27. Religion that God our Father recognizes. I certainly wanna practice a religion that he recognizes. This isn't in my notes, but Jesus tells in Matthew 25 about the scene at the end of days. He said, when all have been gathered in, I'll separate the sheep from the goats. Sobering. If you hear the separation, you go, well, what's the key? Like, okay, who's in and who's out? What's the story here, Jesus? If If the stakes are that high, go ahead and say more. And Jesus says, On the last day, there will be people who come to him and say, Lord, Lord, (laughs) it's great to see you. And he'll he'll say, excuse me, who are you? No, like, who are you? Have have we met? And they'll go, yeah, didn't you know I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons in your name and I was was in church every week and I, oh, I I, I helped lead and I was one of the, on the front row every, have we met? And he'll say, for I I was hungry and I don't ever remember you feeding anybody but yourself. And I I was thirsty, but I think you just walked by. And I was naked and you walked past and I was still naked. And I was sick and you never visited me. And I was in prison and you didn't seem to give a darn about anything beyond your own story. Depart from me, you wicked. I, I, don't, I really don't know you. So let's not start a relationship now because I don't know who you are. Who are you? But then there will be people on that day who came in and they're standing before and there's this humility and there's this deference and there's this tenderness of spirit. And he goes, hey, Good job, come on in to the salvation. Enter into the joy of your salvation. They'll go, Lord, what? And he said, for I was hungry and, and, and you fed me. And 
I was thirsty and you came in. You looked me in the eye and you dignified me and you gave me something to drink and I was naked and you took your shirt off and you clothed me and I was sick and you, you came to visit me in the hospital and I was in prison and you wrote me letters and you were, you, you were, you were tender. Enter into the joy of your salvation. That is the separation between those who know him and those who do not. And friends, today, religion that God our Father recognizes as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows and insert every other vulnerable vulnerable kind of people right there. To look after them in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Debt free, now what? Our prayer and our deepest desire is that we at New Life Church will always be a church that practices a religion that God, our Father, recognizes. So friends, tonight, I want to say to you, well done. We got to celebrate. We celebrate. There's confetti on the floor. We celebrate it. We've been going hard. Well, you got to breathe. You got to enjoy. You got to say, good job, God, and really celebrate. And like, we're not racing past good job but we did not just cross the finish line we just got to the starting line and new life church is going to do this into the future and god will give us help and god will give us courage and god will give us strength and my pastor growing up said if god can get it through you god will get it to you and we'll, we're just going to keep giving it. We're going to keep giving it. We're going to keep giving it. And somehow, some way, God will continue to supply our needs. But friends, there will be a day with such joy. A day when we see Jesus face to face and he says, well done, good and faithful servants. Because you let your heart be broken for all the people with broken hearts. And so, Lord, we pray tonight. That you would do that work deep in our spirits. We want to say thank you for the way you've provided for us. We want to say thank you for the way you've loved us. We want to say thank you for the way you've gotten us to this point. You have been faithful, 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 and we bless you for it, Lord. We forget not all your benefits. You've been so good. And at the very same time, we say, Lord, continue to break our hearts. For the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, the hungry, the poor, the prisoners, the broken down, the sick, those who are in need of friendship, those who are on the edge of society, for all the people who get walked past in the city streets, for all the people who need help just to continue to live, Lord, break our hearts. I want to invite you to just really make this a moment of intercession pray for yourself invite the Lord to soften you invite the Lord to open you up invite the Lord to give you eyes to see invite the Lord to give you ears to hear the cry Lord make us this congregation we pray tonight thank you for what you've done in the past And thank you for what's on the horizon in the future. And Lord, we consecrate ourselves tonight. And we say we're ready to just get started with you. We're ready to sign back up. We're ready to keep going. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said.
Would you stand with me tonight, church? We're going to sing this song. Many of you will know it, Graves into Gardens. We're going to sing this song and ask the Lord where the decimation and the desolation is in our city, that he would make it a garden. Where there's brokenness, that he would bring life. Where there's hurt and wounding, that he'd bring healing. And So I want to invite our communion servers to come down. What we do if you're new with us is we walk through the room, come through. If you're able, get your communion elements and go back as we worship. If you're physically not able, no shame. Tap your neighbor, they'll be happy to bring you an extra one. But what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song, Graves into Gardens. We're going to come through the room, get our communion elements, and here in just a minute, I'll come back and we'll receive together. Let's worship the Lord as you come forward for communion.
Church, before we receive communion, I want to celebrate a graves into garden moment. I want to invite the Kring family up tonight. Could you give it up for the Krings as they come? Okay, so all four of them are incredible, but I'm going to focus on Eleanor tonight because today, seven-year-old Eleanor just finished her last chemo treatment. And she said, after 28 weeks of chemo, let's go to church. Because what do you do on the last day of chemo? You go to church. And this woman has worked so hard and she has trusted Jesus and she's honored her parents and her sister. And she's just as excellent and sweet and beautiful as they come. But don't, don't let her fool you. She's gritty. And she is strong. And she is an excellent woman of God. So one more time, could you give it up for the Eleanor Marie Cream? Anything you all want to say? I just wanted to say thank you um, to the congregation. And really what we've seen during this cancer journey is God show up. Um, Whether it's people he's put in our lives, whether it's organizations like uh, Lighthouse that this this church supported. um, We just saw God show up again and again and again and again. So we're just so thankful. Thank you. Can you stretch out your hands tonight? Stretch out your hands. She's seven years old, just turned seven. It's November 6th, right? Is that correct? Yeah. So here, mom and dad, lay hands on your girl. Lord, tonight, we thank you for Eleanor. And we as a church say, Lord, strengthen her and refresh her and fill her with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for her life, Lord. And we speak long life. We speak vitality. We speak vigor over her. We speak strength. We speak joy over the Krings. Lord, thanks for a mom and dad that love their kids and that love Jesus and that are willing to sacrifice. Thank you for an awesome family here. Thank you for this woman of God, Eleanor Marie. And we bless her tonight. And we thank you that her future is secure in your hands. We thank you that you're raising her up to be a woman of God for the world. And Lord, we cannot wait to see what you're going to do in and through her. And so we as a congregation put our yes on her. We say yes and amen. We say long, fruitful, healthy, vital life in Jesus' name. And we bless you tonight. And all God's people said, give it up for the Krings tonight. Love you guys. Graves in the gardens. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, I'll feed you. He said, this is my broken body, which is given for you and for many. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. And so you may feel weak tonight. Jesus is going to feed you. You may feel discouraged tonight. There's nothing like a good meal. 
And tonight, Jesus is here by the power of his spirit to refresh us and to renew us and to keep us going. We've just gotten to the starting line. It's game time. Let's go. And so tonight, Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you, church. If you believe in Jesus, if you love him, if you need him for your sustenance, you may receive the bread tonight. We all come to the table with failures. We all come to the table with things that are in our memories of shame or guilt or foolishness or stupid moments. And Jesus says tonight, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of all of your sins. And as often as you do this, remember me, says Jesus. Friends, it's a new start. If any person be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Just get ready to go. Jesus is for us and your sins have been washed away. Let's drink up to our forgiveness tonight. Sing, there's nothing better than you. Come on, church. Let's worship the Lord. Come on, from the depths. With all our heart, with all our joy, with all our strength, just lift up his name tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Would you open your hands tonight to receive the blessing of God? I feel like I'm supposed to wait a minute here for you to receive the blessing of God in silence, receive his love. the image of a really good dad tucking his babies in a really good mom with the caress on the face and the kiss on the cheek I sense that God wants to give you that tonight his love his affection the safety of his presence the peace be still so Lord give us that we pray For those of you who are afraid, I say, in the name of Jesus, do not fear. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying receive his peace. Do not fear. For those of you who need his direction tonight, I pray wisdom from heaven. The mind of Christ is yours. Oh, I feel it. Strong provision. Some of you are so on the brink right now. Lord, open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on your people. Provide for your people, Lord. And stir us where we know there are needs to step into that provision to help our friends, to help our brothers and sisters. Lord, it says in Acts 4 that there were no needy among the early church because they gave to each other. So Lord, make us that kind of a church that there were no needy ones among us. I pray tonight the Lord our God would bless you, that he would keep you, that he would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people, and that he would grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Few things before you go. One, our prayer team is coming right now. If you need any prayer about anything, let us pray with you. Second, we've got Guest Central and the Adopt-A-Family back in the back with Vincent at the table. If that's you and you can help, or if you're new, come say hi. And see you next Friday, 6.30, right here for our last Friday night service of the year. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.